Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabe. A podcast where Gabe and I usually catch up on everything I think he missed during those formative years that he was homeschooled and sheltered from the outside world. The occasional surprise that I didn't miss it, which is rare. Very rare. So this conversation started based on something you said on the last podcast, Gabe, which was, I I wonder how many times John McClane said, yippee motherfucker, in the book, nothing lasts forever. Uh, it turns out zero times. So I did the research. But then I was thinking- Now I'm my- not going to read it, just <laughs> for the record. <laughs> But then I started thinking like, oh, we talked about authors whose work has been adapted, but not about the people who adapted that work. But more importantly, something I'm passionate about is the screenwriters, the guys who write the screenplays. So I thought, let's have a conversation about, you know, some prolific or well-known or just people we want to highlight that are that are screenwriters whose work has gotten actually turned into movies. Um, I will say that I am an aspiring screenwriter. I've written two scripts that maybe 20 people have read. But I have completed them, so I am a screenwriter, for the record. I am not a paid screenwriter, but just putting it out there, I know what I know what to do. I know how to create the margins and where they go and when to capitalize, when to bold. Oh, I know all that stuff. Mm, a so, regular guild member, almost. I mean, I just need three lines, I think. I think that's the rule. Oh. Now, one thing I want to get out of the way, besides that, one thing I want to get out of the way first is... And there is nothing wrong with this, but I don't want to concentrate too much on individuals, directors who write their own movies. Now, legitimately great screenwriters, right? Great screenplays because they're being allowed to make these movies. But at the end of the day, you're writing something that you know you're going to direct as opposed to writing something that will be cho- a director will be chosen, actors will be chosen. When you're the writer-director, you have a lot of say in how that movie's going to end up looking. When you're just writing a script and an idea, you technically don't have a lot of say in what's going to happen at the end, right? So let's quickly talk about those type of individuals that are writer-directors, right? I think at the top of the list is, well, because for us anyway, between the two of us, you know, Quentin Tarantino, right? Prolific. I mean, I think 11 screenplays that he's done, 10 that he's directed himself. And I think he did a few, uh, some television shows too, right? In CSI, I think he did a, a season finale for them. But yeah, like somebody like that, right? They were, I mean, legitimate screenwriter who's been, you know, uh, who's been honored with Oscars for his work for adapted screenplays and for original screenplays. So legitimate screenwriter. And again, having 10 of your movies, 10 of your scripts turned into movies is nothing to scoff at, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. So yeah, so nothing nothing against them whatsoever. Another one that does not get the another one that does not get the accolades that they deserve for the work that for the writing that they've done. You know, Sly Stallone. Sly Stallone has a plethora of movies that he's written. And yes, most of them he's acted in. But I mean, when you're you're talking about like 15, 20 films that this dude's done. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I know he's written some, but I didn't know he'd written that many. Because if you think about it, because he can easily be overshadowed, you know, by his acting work. 
Right. Um, but at the end of the day, this dude has like 37 writing credits. So wow. you have the, the first Rocky movie, uh, Fist, F-I-S-T. I remember that one. Uh, Paradise Alley, again, written by him. But then Rocky 2 and 3, Rambo First Blood, Staying Alive, that dance movie with John Travolta, he wrote. And you have Rocky Four, Rhinestone, that he did with Dolly Parton, where he sings country music. Yeah. That movie Cobra. That needs to go on the list to watch. Uh, that's a tough one to watch, bro. <laughs> uh, then he has Cobra, that he wrote the screenplay for. Um, Rambo Three, Rocky Five. He wrote Cliffhanger, the movie Drive. Then he did Rambo, the new Rambo, back in 2008. Then, of course, Expendables 1, 2, and 3. Homefront, which is a movie starring, not starring him, surprisingly. Uh, then I think Creed, he had some creative, because I think it's because it's his characters, he gets writing credits for that. Yeah. Uh, then he created a TV show, uh, the Rocky Balboa movie also. And uh, I think he's working on another, oh no, and then the Rambo, the last Blood movie that that, uh, that came out not too long ago. So, you know, like, Yes, he's, he acted in, 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 in most of them, but, um, but he still wrote a decent amount of scripts that, that got turned into movies, you know? So then, like, you have, you know, then you have your, your Cameron Crowe, your John Carpenter, who writes, you know, who write and do their own films. I put in Charlie Chaplin, because even the 30s, like, the dude was writing all the movies that he was directing and starring in. Uh, you know, you have your Christopher Nolan, right? Everything he writes, he directs himself, and they're all really incredibly good movies you have your edgar wright yeah baby driver Shaun of the dead you know all of those you have the cohen brothers again everything they write they direct francis ford coppola george lucas jj there's the one i was waiting for jj Lucas Abrams. has uh go ahead only six directing credits but he's got 15 writing credits some of which about half it looks like our story but yeah and i think some of the Directors that are, are screenwriters that are screen screenwriters that I saw shared credits because potentially, especially like in Star Wars, a few drafts of the, a few versions of the of the of the script are actually done. So sometimes two or three people will have the credit for it. Yeah. Um, your J.J. Abrams, I feel like he is also more known as a producer and creator, um, but not as much as a screenplay writer. Yeah. You know him more for lens flare than for any particular other writing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, actually. That, that's exactly. Um, <laughs> you have your John Hughes. Like, that dude was amazing in the 80s. Your Breakfast Club, your Sweet 16, your um, uh, Uncle Buck, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like everything. But he wrote and directed everything himself. Your Kevin Smiths. I mean, that dude's done 10 to 12 films alone. Uh, I just saw the trailer for Clerks 3. I don't know if you're interested. It's it's pretty damn cool. I want to make sure I get the last name correctly. Your Wachowski, Wachowski um, sisters, you know, besides the Matrix, they also did like V for Vendetta, for Vendetta and Speed Racer, which that movie mm -hmm. does not get enough credit, but it's actually a very good movie. Is it a live action? Yeah. I don't think I, I have not seen that. So they went live action like hard cgi to make yeah. it look to make it look like the anime though yeah they again like it does not get the credit it deserves um you have your m knight right everything he writes directs himself mill brooks i have to put in here 
<laughs> I mean, not only did he did he yeah. write it, direct Act. it, and start it, yes. but the man was prolific with the work that he did. You have your Oliver Stone, right? Your Paul Thomas Anderson. Very famous. Spike Lee, Stanley Kubert, Steven Spielberg, right? Individuals that have great ideas, do the the writing or the screenplay, but then end up having end up basically producing or directing the film themselves. Um, your Wes Anderson, of course. And like your Woody Allens, you know. I'm not a huge Woody Allen fan, but even I know like he writes, directs, cast, does everything. Like the vision is yep. there. So yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on these people because again, like when you have that much going for you, your movie's kind of a guarantee that it's gonna happen. I wanna yeah. I wanna highlight some of the people who like have influenced pop culture in the different and all the different types of films that they've written. Um so let's start with somebody named Akiva Goldsman. Does that name even come close to being known to you? No. Okay. Not that I pay a lot of attention to the screenwriter portion of the credits of anything I watch, to be fair. That's perfectly fair. Perfectly fair. Okay, so Akiba, he started in the in the early 90s, in 94, with a, move, a screenplay for the movie called The Client, which I believe was a that. John Grisham film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, I believe, was in it. And, um, and a kid actor who ended up hooked on drugs and ended up actually dying, unfortunately. Um, I forget his name. He wrote Batman Forever. He wrote A Time to Kill. He also wrote Batman and Robin. Uh, Lost in Space, the first film version of the TV show. Uh, Beautiful Mind. I, Robot. Cinderella Man. The Da Vinci Code. I Am Legend. Angels and Demons. Then he did like 12 episodes for the TV show Fringe. Um, Insurgent, Transformers, The Last Night, and The Dark Tower. And then he did episodes for Star Trek Discovery, Titans, the TV show, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and Star Trek Picard. I believe he created that show. So, again, like, pretty fucking prolific, you know, when it yeah, comes to the that's Yeah, that's a lot and, and, and kind of diverse, too, across the whole range of it. Yeah. Okay, then we have somebody else I want to talk about. David Cope, I believe his name is. K-O-E-P-P. David Cope, again, solid, solid work as a writer. 42 writing credits. Started in the late 80s. Did a couple of uh, ones that I am actually not sure of. Then he does Toy Soldiers in 91. Death Becomes Her. I believe that was like uh, Bruce Willis was in that. He's the man who gave us the screenplay for Jurassic Park, Carlito's Way, The Paper, The Shadow, Mission Impossible, the first one, The Lost World for Jurassic Park, Snake Eyes, with uh, my buddy, my gym buddy Nick Cage, Stereo of Echoes, which I remember was Kevin Bacon, Panic Room, Jared Leto, uh, Jodie Foster, The First Spider-Man, Secret Window, I think that was um, Johnny Depp, did a TV show called Hack, wrote and uh, created that show. Uh, The screenplay for War of the Worlds, the Mm. Zathura, a space adventure movie. I I, I believe that did did not do well. 
Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ghost Town. I believe that was him uh, with uh, Ricky Gervais. Uh, Angels and Demons. Then he has, he did like Lego Indiana Jones. Premium. A superior to his previous Indiana Jones movie, I'm sure. <laughs> Premium Rush actually was a good movie with um, Gordon Joseph Lovett about this bike messenger in New York. It's actually a pretty decent movie. Uh, then you got Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Inferno, the third Dan Brown film. Lego Jurassic World, by the way. It seems like Lego got him some work. The Mummy, the new one, which was not good. Not yeah, good. I don't think that was his fault, though. No. I mean, if you look, I'm pretty sure Cruz changed a lot of the writing. Yeah. It, specifically, a lot of the story. And that's got to screw with your your flow. If like you had something and then it all gets changed. Yep. I'm not um, going to hold that one against him. Yeah, and he apparently he's working on the Green Hornet. Oh. If you recall... They did that one with Seth Rogen, right? So this mm-hmm. would be the, the, I guess, their second attempt at it. But yeah, uh, again, like, you know, the man does good work and uh, and he gets recognized for it. Uh, the next one I want to highlight is Eric Roth. Eric Roth started in the 70s, but we'll start with... In again, kept busy through the seventies into the eighties. Uh, um, but I think that you know he, I for me anyway, he becomes known with Forrest Gump in ninety four. But this is this might surprise you, Gabe. Uh, also, the same screenplay writer for The Postman. Yeah, <laughs> the the man he had something right. He did. Uh, the Horse Whisperer. He had, he had he had work that stuck with me. <laughs> the Horse Whisperer. Uh, the Insider, Ali, the screenplay for Ali, Munich, The Good Shepherd, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, A Star is Born. This is the man who wrote that screenplay, oh. the new one. Uh, screenplay for Dune. And uh, he's got a couple more things coming out. But, I mean, you know, pretty uh, pretty uh, decent list of films that he wrote and, and were made. Next up, we have Harold Ramis. That name should sound familiar to you, right? It does. So Harold Ramis is basically he was he was mainly known as a as a writer and an actor. Uh, didn't direct too much. Well, he directed enough, but he acted in a lot of his films. But this is <clears throat> this is the guy that comes from back in the day of the Animal House. Like he he wrote Animal House. Okay. He was part of the SCTV crew as one of the head writers, basically the pre-Saturday um, Night Live, or no, no, the SCTV was like the Canadian Saturday Night Live of sketch comedy back in the day. I'm just picturing Saturday Night Live, but they apologize more. Yes. Um, then he writes, I don't know if you've ever seen Meatballs. Mm-mm. It's it's right up there with like with National Lampoon's Animal House and like Caddyshack. So he writes Caddyshack. Writes Stripes. Have you seen Stripes? Yes. That was Bill Murray, right? Bill Murray, yeah. Also writes Ghostbusters. Speaking of. Back to School, which is a Rodney Dangerfield movie. Armed and Dangerous, dude, is a John Candy, Eugene Levy. Foo, such a good movie, bro. Meatballs 2, Caddyshack 2. Actually, no, those are based on his characters. Uh, oh, he does the, the animated TV show for... Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, where he 
where it's a dog that talks like Rodney Dangerfield called Rover Dangerfield. Oh, I don't no. know if you ever saw that, but it was a very funny TV show back in the early 90s. Then, not, but that's a funny premise. Then he's part of the team that helps um, with the characters for uh, the real Ghostbusters of the TV show. Mm. Then he writes Groundhog Day. Yeah. Then him he, and Bill Murray like this, man. Then analyze this, you know, which introduced us to uh, Robert De Niro as a comedian, which nobody expected him and billy Crystal. no nobody saw that coming i i'm surprised to hear those words i don't i haven't seen that so i'm trying to picture it and i can't so analyze this is about um billy crystal is a psychiatrist and robert de niro plays uh, a mob boss a, a wise guy okay who, who needs to see a psychiatrist but obviously if you're a wise guy you don't go talk about your feelings so that's the premise of the story how he's helping him get in touch with the things that he's doing because he obviously has a problem with them as a wise guy. And De Niro's funny. Yes. Because he's huh. playing he's playing the the deadpan like the straight guy yeah, to yeah, Billy yeah, Crystal's, okay. you know, comic. To Billy Crystal's Billy Crystal. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's it, analyze this and analyze that. I think they, they had a sequel. Oh. Which is clever okay. too. That sounds funny. That it does is. sound good. Yes, and he and he did write both. Uh analyze this and analyze that. Bedazzled. Then he did year one. I don't know if you ever saw that. That was Jack Black and um, uh, that awkward, gangly, tall kid from... Um, it's going to bug me that I can't remember. He was in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. He was in um, the one with Seth Rogen. Not Seth Rogen, I'm sorry. Um, oh, wow. All these names are just... Okay, I'm just going to click on this. Michael Cera. Yeah, ah, no, I didn't. I didn't click it. Michael Cera. Oh, Michael Cera. Okay, from Arrested Development. Yes, yeah, yes. The There's the one that you need. What's the from. movie that he did with um, the high school one with the other, not Seth Rogen, but the other kid from that crew? Okay, I'm going to have to Is it that like superhero one? No, one? no. It's a, it's a high school comedy movie with um, Michael Cera and... Is it Scott Pilgrim versus the world? No, no. Oh, yeah, he was in that too. No, no, it was that. Yeah, he wasn't that. That's what I'm thinking of. No, no, the one that the one that made him famous. Super bad. Fuck, I'm an idiot. Oh, super bad. Okay, I forgot about super bad. Yeah, that's that's where I think he got his. That's where he was got that his big break. That was his big break, I believe. Oh damn. Well, hey, anyway, since we're here, let's look at his. Uh, let's look at his uh, filmography. I feel like Michael Cera mostly just Michael Cera'd his way through all of his uh, roles. Oof, Gabe, you're reaching. reaching. No, but he did. He's like the same guy. He's. Oh, no, no. Look, him, Vince Vaughn. He's 100%. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah, Owen Wilson. They're all the same dude. They just play the same dude in all their roles. Michael Cera is absolutely Michael Cera. So he's doing TV shows and scenes in TV movies. I thought Scott Pilgrim was his big break, but didn't that come before? Look, he even did an episode of Veronica Mars. (laughs) Nope, super bad. 2007. No, Juno, that's where he stood out. But also Elliot Page stood out in that, too. But yeah. yeah, Super Bad was his big, big film. When was Super Bad? Two thousand seven. Okay. And Juno comes out the same year, dude. This dude had a hell of a two thousand seven. And then you have Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And then two years later, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Ah, okay. All right, Michael Cera, good job. All right, where are we? Harold Ramis, great, great guy. Um, the last person we'll highlight is actually no, we have two highlighting. Shane Black, does that name sound familiar to you? Yes. Okay. Here's why. Okay. This is the man that wrote Lethal Weapon. 
Oh, yeah. He wrote Lethal Weapon 2, The Last Boy Scout, Lethal Weapon 3, Last Action Hero, Long Kiss Goodnight, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is a fantastic film if you've never seen it, Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, the latest Predator movie, The Predator, and he was also uh, writing for the Lethal Weapon TV show. I feel like Lethal Weapon was his bandwagon. Like, that's the one that if you were in, you were in. I feel like he keeps coming back and he's like, does anyone, does anyone want some more Lethal Weapon? Because I, I got more to say. I got, there's, more lethal, there's more Lethal Weapons in me. Uh, we're moving on to Steven Zailian. Zailian. He was writing some really great films in the early 90s. Awakenings. I don't know if you ever saw that, but I believe that was Robert De Niro. Awakenings was... Oh, Robin Williams and, and Robert De Niro. Jack the Bear, which we talked about in one of our episodes, um, where Danny DeVito plays the uh, the dad of the kids. Fantastic movie. Searching for Bobby Fischer. Schindler's List, he wrote. Dude, look at this. 1993. Jack the Bear... Searching for Bobby Fischer and Schindler's List, all three movies that got out of made. those movies. I saw Searching for Bobby Fischer, not Schindler's List. No. Okay. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. Apparently, I chose incorrectly. Apparently, they found Bobby though. It's a good movie though. Searching for Bobby it Fischer is a good, is a good movie. movie. Clear and Present Danger, one of the Jack Ryan films. Yeah. He did the story for Mission Impossible. A Civil Action, Hannibal. Screenplay for Gangs of New York, The Interpreter, All the King's Men, American Gangster, Moneyball. If you haven't seen that movie, you need to watch it. I haven't. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I have seen that. Exodus, uh, Gods and Kings. If you've never seen the HBO uh, miniseries called The Night Of, fantastic, written by him. He did The Irishman, which is the... You know, longest film I've ever seen in the last two years. Yeah, it's not like a three-hour. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a long one. But yeah, no, this man, again, like really solid films. Now we're going to talk about some people we want to highlight for the work that they've done. So actually, I do want to talk about somebody because I know I was shitting on like holding on to the same character, you know, Shane Black and, uh, and Lethal Weapon, taking it to them, you know, as long as you can. But again, I've written two screenplays that no one has ever seen. He wrote four movies that were made. <laughs> so let me let me fucking take a step back and say, I'm not shitting on Shane Black. I'm just saying, like, sometimes you hit a sweet spot. You have characters that can be developed and taken into different, uh, you know, movies. Um, Plus, you got to imagine these guys, obviously, as the people writing that stuff, have... A lot more. They spend a lot more time thinking about where it could go and what other options there are than perhaps us that are just sitting there going like, "Wow, look at you know Mel Gibson be a crazy person for two hours." Yeah, and then you know, oh, you added Joe Pesci and uh, Chris Rock. Hey, yeah, that can't hurt. Okay, so we're gonna talk about Philippa Boyens. Does that name sound familiar at all? No. Okay. Well, that's because this woman uh, hitched her wagon to Peter Jackson. And she wrote the screenplay for Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and Return of the King. Wait, say the name again? Philippa Boyens. P-H-I. And then P-P-A. I feel like I've heard the name, and I feel like it's been pronounced differently. Oh, I'm sure it has. I'm, I, I cannot. 
you know. I'm not saying specifically because I don't know how to say that either. I think you're doing a good job. Is it? Is that? The, that's not one name, is it? There's had to be two screenwriters, right, for that. Oh, I'm sure there were. There, were, but I'm. But she gets the main yeah. credit, I think, for it. Uh, well, for, they put Fran Walsh first, which I've absolutely heard. Well, the internet randomly does. Wow. Okay. I think, but now that I see that, yeah, 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 I definitely have seen the name. I just did not recognize it being spoken for sure. So yeah, so this woman again, like speaking you, of three-hour movies, you know, you think about the fact that she wrote the the the, the Lord of the Rings. And she also did the three Hobbit movies. That alone is a decade's worth of work, I imagine. That's also many more hours of screenwriting than, than a lot of guys, <laughs> a, lot a lot of people, people get. In. In, in, in even more movies. <laughs> but and she's got was, a lot of mileage. And she was able to squeeze in another two movies in between. She did King Kong and she did The Lovely Bones, which was actually a really good film. Was that also Peter Jackson by chance? No, no, I don't think the Lovely okay, Bones. Okay, because every King Kong was. Oh, right? but King Kong was. You're right. Actually, yeah, you know what? Now I gotta look did, up the Lovely Bones. Did mostly Peter Jackson movies? Again, she hitched her wagon to Peter Jackson. Hey, that that was a good time to do it. Oh shit! That was a Peter Jackson. <laughs> and look called at, it. And look I at this spot though. A pattern. By the way, the the writers were Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens. So. It's a team. It's a team effort now. So I think that's why I didn't have Fran uh, Walsh here because um, just like other people, they also uh, took either co-wrote or did a draft of it. Mm. Yeah. So they seem to be a writing team. Okay. My my uh, my apologies to Miss or Mrs. I, I'm not going to make any assumptions about her. Yeah, I actually do. I'm actually confused because the latest article I read said he and I was like, I just, just I, I thought it was female because Fran, but that could go either way. So I also don't know. The reason it came up, actually, interestingly, is, you know, they got that Amazon Lord of the Rings TV series coming out. Yes. So I just was reading a thing where I think they asked Fran potentially to work on it initially, but then never followed up. And I found out that the Tolkien estate apparently hated the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, no. Really? Yeah, Christopher Tolkien specifically thought it butchered his father's complex work and made it very simple, which, I mean, it's crazy given how well-received and the accolades. You get a Best Picture in there, Oscar. You get a bunch of Oscar nominations, a bunch of Oscars. And he he did not like it at all. They 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 never wanted Jackson to work on stuff again. Really? So they, part, of, part of the stipulation of them getting it to Amazon was that Jackson not ever not be involved in any way and they not be affiliated with his movies. That is, Which I did I did not know. That is harsh, dude. Yeah. And then the the last highlight I want to put in here because of um of just I saw this movie uh two weeks ago or less. Um John Thomas, his first written work was The Predator. Okay. It's just put it, it's gonna put it out there. Solid. Um very solid. Then he did um Executive Decision with uh, Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal, <laughs> who dies in the first 10 minutes, I believe. Uh, that he had the story for Wild Wild West, Mission to Mars, Behind Enemy Lines. And then uh, basically every Predator movie after that, he technically gets credit for creating the character. Predator 2, Alien vs. Predator, Predators. Basically, a man who has, I imagine, kept a steady paycheck coming from all the Predator movies. Gonna put it out Although there. probably his pride's taken a hit as they've gone a little bit downhill, because he started him on a high note and they've not done him. I I am solid. gonna say that Predator Two, I think is still good. 
Oh no, Predator and Predator Two are both good. And I then think, after that, I think yeah, Predators, Predator, Predator vs. Alien, Predator vs. Alien Two. I think they jumped the shark on a couple of those. Yeah, a little bit. But I will say, and I was gonna save this for something old, something new. I saw a trailer for Prey. Prey. I saw that it got really good reviews. Yeah, it's very. So I saw the trailer, and then like yesterday, I'm like, wait, it's available on Disney Plus already? That's insane. So anyway, we'll talk about that in a bit. Ninety-three oh. on Rotten Tomatoes. Just throw that Ooh, out there. Shoot. Okay, so these are the people that uh, that you know made that impact. Now some highlights. Again, just highlighting individuals that have had some decent uh, work, decent stuff of their work come out. You have uh, Chris Columbus. I believe that name should sound familiar, right? I mean, not in the screenwriter context. Oh, well, <laughs> no, that's Christopher Columbus. I mean, I know, but if you know, if you were calling him for short, I'm just saying. This an unfortunate name. Listen to what this man gave us, sir. Gremlins. That was his second film that he wrote. Wow. He followed. So far, he's done better work than the original Christopher Columbus. A lot. He followed it up with The Goonies. Yeah. Uh huh. Heartbreak Hotel, Little Nemo, Gremlins Two because of Gremlins One, Only the Lonely, Nine Months, which is actually a funny movie with uh, Hugh Grant, Madame Doubtfire. By the way, the TV movie. From the movie Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> You're just going to change the <laughs> title. Yep. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks. Huh? Uh, and apparently, and this is still like years away, apparently there's a Gremlins 3 coming out and there's a Goonies 2 coming out. Just, you know, out there. So yeah, wanted to highlight Chris Columbus. I did want to highlight... Uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. These individuals are responsible for the Avengers scripts. Again, like, you're talking about four scripts, but probably 15 hours worth of work. He's listed as the number one grossing domestically box office screenwriter. Who, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely? Stephen McFeely's number one, Christopher Marcus is number two. Yeah, the Avengers. That's why yeah. they're 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 high, being yeah. highlighted. They uh, broke the scale on this website I'm looking at because there's like they use a speedometer to show how much money, and both of those guys are at the very top. And number three is like four fifths. That's <laughs> as far as he gets. And they broke the scale. That's just me. Um, let's see here. We have. Oh, yeah. Could you have his movies up? Yeah, uh, David S. Goyer. Want to highlight him very quickly? He. Um, Started his career with Death Warrant, which was a Van Damme film. Kickboxer Sound, Two sounds like a sounds like a Van Damme movie. It, it was. It, this is where Van Damme as an undercover cop goes to jail. Now, okay, so very quickly, Van Damme movies had a format. Okay, guy who knew martial arts, guy who was a badass, would join a fight club slash competition, Bloodsport. Joins a world league competition. Kickboxer joins a kickboxing competition. Lionheart uh, joins a street fighting competition. <laughs> Death Warrant goes to prison and gets into a prison <laughs> fighting competition. Just for the record, he had an MO, as they say. Were those Wait. all the same screenwriter by chance? No. Like, no, 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 I got to. He does like a find and replace. <laughs> 
But yeah, but yeah, so this man right here, Death Warrant, Kickboxer 2, The Puppet Masters, The Crow City of Angels, which I think was part three of The Crow, uh, Dark City, which is an interesting film uh, that he wrote, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., a TV movie written by him that starred, if I recall, the Hoff himself. David. Wow. Yeah, Hasselhoff. Uh, wrote Blade 2 and Blade 3 and Blade 1. I don't know why I set those in in, in such a weird order, but it yes. A, it was a, you were giving us a plot twist. Maybe. Uh, did the story in the first screenplay for Batman Begins. Okay. Wrote for Blade the series. The movie Jumper, which is an unfortunate movie. Um, did the story for The Dark Knight. Did the screenplay for Ghost Rider Spirit, uh, Spirit of Vengeance. Did the story for Dark Knight Rises, screenplay and story for Man of Steel, um, some touch-ups on the script for Godzilla, wrote Batman vs. Superman or Batman v. Superman Dawn of Justice, wrote for the Krypton TV show, um, the Terminator Dark Fate, the screenplay, television, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, video games, Call of Duty, did a couple of those. That dude is a... being kept busy and he's he is supposedly doing the first draft of the masters of the universe reboot i mean he had me in the first half and then some of those later ones are 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 not are not solid recommendations putting it out there though james prolific though yes james l brooks that name should sound familiar right Uh uh-huh we're gonna just highlight him real quick um obviously he is best known for i believe a thousand episodes of the simpsons yeah, that's now that's obvious. Now yeah, I know. Yeah, did a ton of uh, TV work in the '60s and '70s. This guy fucking wrote, dude, for the Andy Griffith Show. Yeah, that's how far back this dude goes. Also, a show I've seen. <laughs> that's why I thought you might get that one. Um, the My Three Sons, Mary Tyler Moore episodes. He did taxi episodes, by the way. He wrote like over, a, I think he created actually a taxi show. Never mind. The script for Terms of Endearment, Broadcast News, I'll Do Anything. He did some writing for the uh, Tracy Ullman show, which is what uh, debuted The Simpsons. Yeah. Wrote, wrote the screenplay as good as it gets. Spanglish. The Simpsons movie. The Longest Yard. And obviously, he is still the you know creator of The Simpsons. Seven hundred and thirty-one episodes he's responsible for. Nineteen eighty-nine. That is wild. James L. Brooks. Um, let's highlight Norman Wexler. Norman Wexler. Again, just quick highlights. This man in the seven writing credits that he has. I believe I've seen six of them. Oh. Serpico. Have you ever heard of that movie? Mm-mm. That is a, a fine, fine film by uh, Al Pacino. He's a cop who tells on other cops and then becomes, basically, he gets promoted, becomes a detective, and then, um, uh, you know, just can't handle the, uh, can't handle the corruption and tells and then he becomes you know a target of his own people trying to take him out and it's a fantastic movie he has a phenomenal beard in that movie um saturday night fever 
also helped co-write uh, Staying Alive. And I believe one of Arnold's, I mean, Arnold has so many fantastic films, but Raw Deal is a fantastic. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, my God. I've seen yeah. a ton of Arnold. Raw Deal is the Arnold film where he plays an FBI agent who quit the FBI, I believe, and he becomes like a, a sheriff for a small town. And then he has to go undercover and join the the mafia to help um, somebody from the FBI who he used to work for. It's a good, I cannot picture him being undercover. It's a good film, dude. Raw Deal and Red Heat. If you've never seen Red Heat, where he plays a Russian who comes to America. It's a oh, he bu- could definitely do that. It's a buddy cup movie, dude. He plays a Russian who comes to America to, to, to stop a, a Russian guy that came to America. And the buddy cop, the American cop that he gets um, that he gets uh, teamed up with is uh, J- um, Jim Belushi. Yeah, it's so good. All right, uh, last highlight we'll do. Actually, no, I'm sorry. We have a few a few highlights left. Robert Town started in the '60s, right? So this man was doing stuff for the Outer Limits, the Man from Uncle. Then I believe he. He become he comes on my radar with the movie Chinatown. I, I don't know if you've ever seen Chinatown with um, Nicol, uh, Nicholas Cage, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson. I don't think so. Detective film noir uh, does that. Does shampoo? Heaven can wait with um, uh, Warren Beatty. Tough guys don't dance. Tequila Sunrise. Days of Thunder. The Two Jakes. The Firm uh, helps co-write Mission Impossible Part One. Screenplay for Mission Impossible Two. I mean, again, we're highlighting an individual who who had uh, quite a bit of work. Scott Frank. This is the man that gave us Get Shorty, Out of Sight, Minority Report, Flight of the Phoenix, Marley and Me, The Wolverine, and Logan. Yeah. And he was also, I think he created and wrote uh, The Queen's Gambit. A very popular. Even I saw that damn show. I binged the hell out of that on Netflix. I think that's pretty cool that somebody who who has, you know, like once you write for like a MCU, once you write for Marvel, once you write a, a superhero, you kind of might might have been put into that. The, right. Wolver- the Wolverine was the part two of the Wolverine films, if I recall, because the Wolverine yeah. is, is when he goes to Japan. Yeah, the first one is X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. Wolverine. So then, nothing yeah, to do with that. This dude is the guy who wrote the one that branches out, and then he does Logan, but he has no other superhero flicks. Fantastic. Very interesting. It's interesting to be that separated, you know? Very quickly, we'll also highlight Robert Zemeckis, well known for the producing and the directing that he did, but this is one of those guys that, you know, Back to the Future. That was his baby. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Now, he had another a couple other great films. 1941, Used Cars, Trespass was a great film, Polar Express. But yeah, Back to the Future kind of kept him busy for a while. Just gonna put kept it going back, you know. You, you gotta you to gotta, the future. When, when oh no, Gabe, no, 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 Gabe, <laughs> no. Walter Hill. Just quickly highlight Mr. Walt, Walter Hill, the 1970s getaway. The Street Fighter with Sonny Chiba, The Driver, <laughs> The Warriors. This is the man that wrote 
The Warriors. Okay. 48 Hours, Streets of Fire, The Story to Aliens, Connection to Screenplay for Red Heat, eh? The Screenplay for The Getaway, Last Man Standing, <laughs> which we've talked about, and, um, oh, uh, Video Game for Aliens, which I thought was interesting. Okay. And William Goldman. So he wrote Butch, Cons- Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, All the President's Man, Marathon Man, Heat. He wrote the novel and the screenplay, by the way. Princess Bride wrote the novel and the screenplay. Misery, uh, Stephen King one. Chaplin, starring Robert Downey Jr. Maverick, starring Mel Gibson. Fierce Creatures, Absolute Power with um, Clint Eastwood. The General's Daughter with John Travolta. Yeah, I know. Um, So, I believe I've gone through... All the highlights, there is still a ton of people, right? You still have, you know, very quickly, you have uh, Aaron Sorkin, A Few Good Men, uh, Social Network, Charlie Wilson's War, uh, Nora Ephron, When Harry Met Sally, My Blue Heaven, Sleepless in Seattle, Mixed Nuts, Michael, You've Got Mail, Bewitched, Julie and Julia, wonderful film. Ernest Lemon, I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Old-timey. Sounds like it. Yes. Ernest is an old-timey name. It's an old-timey name. He is the individual who wrote The King and I. A movie that I have seen a number of times. North by Northwest, a um, Hitchcock film. Mm -hmm. West Side Story, personal close to my heart. also seen that. The Sound of Music. Also seen that. Wow, maybe this might be the one I've seen the most, except for the Avengers guy. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Ooh, I don't think I've seen that one. That's an old-timey one, 66. Hello, Dolly? Mm, Oh, I really thought you would have seen that one. Family Plot, another Hitchcock movie. And then, uh, by the way, a few of these people have written for the the Academy Award specials. Like, this guy in '88 wrote the 60th annual Academy Awards, and '62 wrote has the writing credits for the Academy Award special. <laughs> and then in '95, for some strange reason, he decided to write the early screenplay for *Sabrina*, the one with um, Harrison Ford, I believe, and okay. um, Callista Flockhart. But here's the funny thing, though: in the '50s, he's the one who wrote the original *Sabrina*, so he just spruced up the the um, screenplay for uh, the current times. Yeah. Because the original had, um, speaking of the last episode, Audrey Hepburn and uh, and uh, Mr. Bogart himself, Humphrey. Let's just, yeah, let's just end it with um, Ernest. Uh, with the time we have left, Gabe, let's do a little something old, something new. Now, I started talking about this with, with watching the, the trailer for Prey and probably going to end up watching that movie. It looks cool. I didn't like how the last Predator movie ended where, like, they got the Predator suit to wear for a human to wear and that they were going to go, you know, fight the Predators with their own suit. I thought it was kind of weird. I saw the preview. So I-, I was I was flipping through Disney Plus and I see the word Prey and I look at the font and I'm like, that font looks familiar. <laughs> so I click on it and I watch the trailer. and I was like, oh, wow. What an interesting, like fresh concept you know like predators have been coming here throughout you know the last thousand years 
a story about one of the times they came back in the past. Looks kind of cool. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I mean, I have more hope for it than I've had for a Predator-related movie in a long time. Um, again, I've been keeping tabs. I have not seen, I think, the last two or three Predator movies because I've seen how badly received they were. And I saw, I think I saw Alien vs. Predator and its sequel. And I think uh, I saw a something after Predator 2 in there somewhere that was Predator. And I was just like, nah, nah, dog. I'm not going to keep watching. I'm not, you're not going to get me again. And so uh, I, I just today, when we look today, I see that it's a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes for this one. But I think it's good that they finally did something different because clearly they were beating their head against the wall, doing the same thing and not doing it very well. So very interesting. They, they got a, uh, their cast is actually like I, all Native American. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty dope. Um, and also the fact that it's something so different, I'm I'm actually excited to watch it. Okay, two things, Gabe. Uh, one, remind me in case I forget, remind me Fidel Castro. Secondly, for those of you who 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 can't see uh, what I see, Gabe is is in his uh, home office. He's wearing a pop culture hangfire uh, T-shirt, one of three. But he was also pointing towards whatever screen he's looking at. And I got to say, Gabe, your triceps are popping, sir. Uh, it's putting a lot of work in. I appreciate I mean, that. Dude, like, you, I know you weren't like flexing, but just pointing at the TV, it popped. I, I'm a little jealous. That that looks that looks good, man. It's what you get for going to the gym at 5 a.m. like four days a week. I can't. Well, well done. Shit, dude. Anyway, I got a little distracted. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Let's get back on track. Speaking of like having a Native American cast for a movie that deserves Native Americans in it, I just read that James Franco was cast for the Fidel Castro movie. <laughs> I just read that too because I saw your boy John. John? Oh, he went off. Talked shit about it. I saw that headline. I thought I got to talk to Christian about this because he went clearly. off. He called out everyone in the past who's who's brown faced, as we're calling it now. Now here's the thing. I will say this. James Franco looks like Fidel Castro. <laughs> that's my first thought after thinking, oh, huh, that's interesting. I thought, wait a minute. I pictured James Franco. I was like, he kind of looks like the pictures I remember of young Fidel Castro. He fucking does. So, so part of me. Maybe this isn't the, you know, like, uh, you can't help but that the guy, like, he's got to have it somewhere in his history, right? Oh, in it's his family tr tree. It's a stretch, like, right? <laughs> this feels like it's a little bit different than. When they used, uh, which they use uh, for Ghost in the Shell, was it Scarlett Johansson? Was she the one? Yeah, but no, it wasn't just her though. They, the whole cast, the whole cast was all. all yeah, it, it was. Just just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, so like it feels a little different than that because you, if you had someone that actually looked kind of like, there's a slim excuse. Although you feel like you got to be able to find a guy, you know. So. So here's the problem, right? Now we talked about because it, it, when I saw that, it automatically made me think of our episode where I whitewashed my own character. You did. Now here, <laughs> here's in my defense, right? If they ever made a movie about me, it would be. Have, have you heard of that movie, um, the um, Weird Al Yankovic movie that's coming out? Yeah. Where um, where uh, Daniel Radcliffe plays him in the movie? Yeah. But it's like an. Ex it's like what. Weird Al saw himself as as this yeah, yeah, ripped yeah. young dude who was really good looking. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. in my head, I think yeah, I think Tom Hardy, I could totally look like that. 
<laughs> no, and again, I could say like I've seen the guy wear flannel. I've seen him put his hair back. Like you're like like I could I could see the resemblance you were talking about. I just thought it was funny as an outside observer. Yeah. Now I wouldn't then recast my family to white British people. Right. No. But I feel like me, I could take I can take some liberties. So, so but but then I was thinking about this. Okay, now I'm no one. Right. Maybe in fifty years I might be somebody, and maybe then people could like you know. Uh, um, protest in the streets about Tom Hardy being cast or Tom Hardy's son at that point. But a very old John Leguizamo. <laughs> you could do off. it, actually. You could do it. John Leguizamo could do anything. But in this case, because it's such a prominent figure, you you yeah. can't. You, you you can't. Now, maybe James Franco will somewhere in his 23 and me, he has that 16th uh, percent <laughs> Cuban slash Caribbean. Right. Um, but in this case, I'm one. Uh, even I'm like, if it's this much of a of a huge historical figure, I I feel like, yeah, you, you kind of drop the ball on that. The writer is Spanish, dude. The director is Spanish. The cast is Spanish. At, at least they didn't make all the cast white. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think they dropped the ball, and I I imagine this is not the last we've heard of it. We'll be talking about this in an episode or two where we talk about the fact that he was replaced. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. In this day and age, that would not be surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, Tom Hardy. oh, I saw that. I think I saw it either yesterday or the day before. And I thought I got to talk to Christian about this because there's too many threads connecting. There are. The other thing I want to talk about was I watched again, like, I am not keeping up to date with how quickly movies are being released by Disney Plus. Oh yeah, me I, neither. I just saw that they had released a Lightyear. Yeah, I was like, I gotta watch that too. I saw it. It's a wonderful film. Yeah, it's, it's fun. The, the scene didn't dominate the movie for you. No, no, no. Just a happy, loving family didn't completely destroy you. Didn't walk out of your living room or whatever. So, so here's the funny part. When I first saw the scene. It didn't happen the first time, so so there's there, it's a montage, right? Of like yeah yeah of scenes that lead up to that, and in the first one you see that she's dating somebody, and the second one or in the first one you hear that she's dating somebody, the second one you see who it is, and you're like oh it's a chick, and I thought oh this is that scene. Nope, didn't happen then. Happens much later, and it's very quick background. And I'm like, this is what people had a problem with. I'm surprised they didn't get mad at that it was interracial. They got <laughs> there's a hierarchy list. If it had been a guy but it was interracial, then they got a guy. Then Texas would have still been mad just about that. Um in Star Wars, uh one of the newer ones, in one of the celebratory scenes, there's a quick glimpse of like two women like like in the celebration just that they, they kiss and like and it's in the it's, I think it's just in the mix. I don't remember it being maybe it was center frame maybe it wasn't i don't remember because it i didn't i didn't, wasn't bothered by it but that was the huge you know like ah disney's trying to you know they're trying to teach our children things you know let's get mad and it's like if you wouldn't have been mad if it had been a man and a woman kissing then you shouldn't be mad about this like if you're mad that there's kissing in it like oh, i mean okay they had a brother and sister kissing in an earlier star wars i mean i don't know how mad were you about that alabama all, all i'm saying is if you're going to get mad about that, then why aren't we in an uproar about up? I don't want my children knowing about death before they're ready. 
Yeah. Why are you, actually speaking of that, like death, there's like death or allegories for death in a ton of those Pixar movies. So let's roll it back. <laughs> no I'm just saying like, you know, look, you have a problem with two women kissing. I have a problem with having to talk to my kids about death when they're not ready. Or, Where's or grandma? Or broccoli on pizza. Huh? Or broccoli on pizza from the, uh, what was the emotion movie? What was that one called again? Soul? No, no. Um, blue? Something blue? Mm. Um, uh oh we're doing it again isn't it sad blue or like <laughs> sad blue that's <laughs> inside out it's oh i was way <laughs> sad blue <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the next introducing the next pixar movie sad blue okay hang on if it, sad blue is gonna be a pixar movie what the hell would that be about? It'd have to be about plastic in the ocean. Oh, the ocean being sad. sad. Blue. Okay. The ocean's nickname is Blue. Did it, it's there sad. You go. That's a freebie, Pixar. Okay, go. Run with it. Uh, yeah, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like, again, like, <laughs> I don't know. If I'm a parent, if I have to talk to them about death or two women kissing. The scene was so quick that if the kid isn't paying attention, they might have missed it. Yeah. I feel like, too, I think a lot of people, like, unless you're actively teaching something different, a kid's probably not even going to talk about that. Up has a 10-minute death scene. I'm just going to... Oh, yeah. They <laughs> the, really they really twist the knife. The kid might ask... I haven't watched Up again, by, mind you. I'm wait, a very sensitive that, soul. Wait, is that part two? <laughs> That's another freebie for you. <laughs> it's either up again or up yours. I don't know which direction they want to go. I, they, they apparently they're getting a bit more edgy with their women and women action, so maybe up yours will be their next. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought I had I had up up to one game, and you just came and took it to the next level. Oh, <laughs> those are all those are all elevation jokes. By I the mean, <laughs> no, but yeah, but I was gonna say like I feel like even in Inside Out, there's a death scene in that, like. You yeah, know, that's a sad scene, dude. That little, that little imaginary friend of hers. Yeah. Again, a kid might be all like, "What happened to fucking Boinky Boink or Dong Dong, whatever his name was? What happened to you know the little man's uh, wife?" And I'm like, "Uh, uh you know." Look I at feel- these two women just real quick. Watch this real quick. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Watch Lightyear. <laughs> Pay close attention. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm excited to watch that because I just like the character. Oh fuck! Yeah, no, that it was it was fun. It was a really fun film. I did not expect them to do that. What they did with it, but I love all the things that they do to make it connect to Toy Story. Right. It's so well done. Dude. I, it was. I had a lot of fun watching it. I had a lot of fun watching it. Oh man, that made me laugh. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Sweating up in this mother. Um, so yeah, something new, something old. Um, I think uh, I think that covers a lot of the current stuff, right? Yeah. Cool. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for listening. Uh, another another episode, another week. You know, we uh, will be starting two thousand and one next week which is the last episode of season one what well the last year because we're gonna have to do multiple episodes oh yeah yeah three episodes we're probably gonna have a 
uh, season finale episode. So really, there's like a month's worth of episodes left after this. Can't get rid of us that easily. Yeah, yeah. We're Apparently, we're 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 slow at this. We're that ten minute death scene. Yeah, if you're somebody that's really compulsive and the only reason you're listening is for closure, it's going to be a minute. Yeah, and even as we speak, I haven't quite figured out what the finale is going to be like. I feel like I'm just going to have Gabe look at all my notes and just ask me questions. <laughs> like, what is very this exciting? <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, uh, I think, uh, I think that, uh, it's been ridiculous. Uh, look, I, I, you know, with the, with the overtime that we've gone so ready so far, I do want to say something. I think that I'm very proud of us, Gabe, that we have not missed a week. We've been close. We've been even late there. Yeah, there's been a lot of activity too. Like it hasn't like, it's not like we've been sitting here during the pan. This wasn't the pandemic where everyone was stuck at home anyway. Like, no, we've been actively going out and doing things. Yeah. I, I went to France. Like, still got that episode out. Just I've saying. Far too many hours in a single week. You know? Uh, but no, I'm very proud of us that we've been very good. So, I, and I hope I'm not jinxing it, that the fact that we need four more episodes to end season one, and yes, that means there's a season two, which we're working on. Oh, uh, spoiler. Spoiler. Uh, but yeah, no. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Remember, we're at, at Pop Culture Hangfire on your Instagrams, and uh, we would probably do this without you but we appreciate that you're there and for that Come one person who commented he hasn't seen the birdcage yet or he hasn't seen the birdcage thank you because gabe has not seen the birdcage i responded with a big old shrug <laughs> see you next week <laughs>